This is The Cool Down with me, Phil Rockner, and the always interesting Steph Hansen. With thanks to Triathlete Magazine, let's have a conversation. This is The Cool Down, Phil Rockner and Steph Hansen, thanks to Triathlete Magazine, the beautiful people of Triathlete Magazine. Steph, how are you going? I'm good. I'm really good. I spent uh, yesterday having a day off, about five hours in a pool, which... Being a triathlon podcast, you might expect that was cutting some laps and, um, <laughs> you know, covering many kilometers. But no, no, I was sitting on a floaty drinking a gin and ginger beer with a squeeze of lime. Great drink. Really? Yep. Gin and ginger beer. Wow, that's a combination. Yeah, it's refreshing. It's great. <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> of course, p- big public holiday in Australia yesterday and um I did. I, I got out and uh, went for an ocean swim. As I, you know, I've stopped doing. Well, I'm going to change that today because we finally got an offshore day here in, in where I live on the coast, and the waves, as I saw this morning, were amazing. We're we're recording this in the morning, so going to get out there, Steph, I think, and uh, get on the surfboard. But I've been doing a lot of body surfing this summer, so just fins and a hand paddle, which is like a carved wooden hand paddle. Oh, oh man. It's, it's so much fun. And it, you literally just cut laps, you catch waves in, swim out the back, catch waves in, swim out the back. And I think we did two and a half hours yesterday. It was just massive sessions. You come out completely shot to pieces, but so much fun. So much fun. I love so it. I think that could be on the cards today. I'll be in a better mood um, for doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we should be recording this after that, uh, but no, that's okay. No, you, just, just, you get no stents out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of body surfing, um, uh, you you remember the great – that sounds like he's passed away. He's still very much alive. Um, Damien Angus, Danger, uh, yes, lo- local um, age group. Well, he's a he's a um, world champion in his age group for many a year in Kona, right? Oh, he's a legend. Yeah. You know what? We did a story on him, right? Yes. Back in the – can I just quickly – yeah, the 14 hours. Yep. Do you remember that? Yep. So for those of you who would have missed it, um, which is probably most of you, when first off the bike was running, and I'm just sorry to stop in there to cut you off, Steph. No, no, I love it. We did a story about him and it was, he is this, he's a rock star age grouper, right? Like he's so good, runs the, you know, super good marathon, really strong biker. But he did an interview with us when we did profiling age groupers and he said he did everything in 14 hours a week of training. Mm. And I remember that just set the forums absolutely on fire. Like the Aussie forum here, Transitions, or as I used to call it, Transactions. Um, they couldn't get their head around it and it went ballistic. It just, the comments under the story. Because when we started, we, naively, we left comments open. Yeah. So, yeah. so you could make a comment, but you didn't have to leave your name. You could John Doe it um, and... You could just write a comment and the website turned into the freaking wild west. Yep. Like people just trolled each other and I think his story was still on when uh when that was the wild west and the commentary underneath, holy moly. I know. No, people just could not fathom a fourteen hour no. training week. And I I have trained with the man um, side by mm. side on the bike, uh, back when I could actually pedal a bike at a decent speed. You're a good bike rider. Don't don't sell yourself short, <laughs> Steph Hansen. You were a very very good bike rider. One day, one day I'll be back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I saw him hone his craft over years, and what people forget, and this is I guess typical of the keyboard warrior, also being possibly 
in comparison, new to the sport, Danger has been in this sport forever and a day. So he has his bank of training hours and kilometers is so huge that it's like he's just that 14 hours is just topping up just consistency consistency over time and it's what works for him he also works a very high level uh busy job so and has three children so didn't have time to go for the you know 40 hour training week um but he managed to hone everything nutrition included he was um like I, I, we would go to his house for dinner and he'd always take you out to his um, shed, which is got all these bikes, all the things, but he's got whiteboards and spreadsheets and he, he's honed it. Like the man is a, a legend. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you've got it that well dialed in, you can do it. I think hmm. it takes an enormous amount of discipline. Um, yeah, and there's so many execs and so many, um, people who work really high-powered, high-end jobs um, who can get it done. I, I can remember a couple of dudes who were, you know, they get home at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night from a day and spend two hours on the wind trainer, you know, or these days they jump on a Zwift as they would um, or something like that. But, it, you know, unless you're really super organized, um, mm. you can't do it. it. It doesn't. And I think it's where people felt, the argument fell down for people is that in their own lives they couldn't, figure out how he could do it because they weren't as disciplined or as organized. Mm. I mean, he's, I mean, I couldn't do it. Uh, gosh, no. Um, but he, yeah, like I said, he also has 20 years of experience on top of most of the people yeah. commenting, you know, yeah. on that, yeah. on that article. Yeah. Um, but, but back to the reason I mentioned him, um, love, love a segue. The, <laughs> so I remember doing Ironman Australia in 2010 uh, and he was doing it as well. And it was my second uh, full distance. And he had this tradition of the day before the race, you do a little uh, swim bike run or maybe a bike run, I can't remember. And then you go for a body surf. So since that day, each time before a half or a full, that was that's what we would do to to relax. And, you know, so it wasn't about feeling the water or anything. It was just about getting out there, relaxing, being at one with the water and... <laughs> Yeah, and then feed up for the rest of the day uh, that afternoon. So, yeah. Well, I'm not, and I'm not going to get too spiritual on you, but the ocean, in you know, I I, I at the beach every day. Um, the ocean does give you energy. It, it just I, agree. I don't know what it is. Yeah, there is something about being in an ocean that is alive. I'm not talking about going swimming in some calm. Fl- if you are in the ocean with waves, I think it just it gives you something. Yeah. Um, and body surfing is really tactile. Like it really gives you that. Mm. Like, you know, we, like we, we can plane across the wave and, you know, we can get barreled and, you know, you can get fully shacked doing that. And it's, it's a whole different animal when you do it properly um, as opposed to sort of standing a meter out trying to jump in, et cetera. But it's a really like it's because you're so connected to the wave without a surfboard. Mm. Um, I've gone all Zen here. You have. Um, but it really is. It's, it's, I know it's wild, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, um, when we were doing first off the bike, we did a lot of really stupid stuff. Um, some things worked and some things did not. Um, and obviously in our time, both you and I saw a lot of stuff as well. Um, what was some of the things that worked for you? What what was something that came up that you thought was going to be not so good that you hit it out of the park? Do you have anything like that? Um, yeah, yeah, plenty. Um, one of the ones, I guess I didn't, I knew, I knew it would work, but it, 
it came, it wasn't like a thoughtful process. It's just, it was kind of this light bulb moment. Um, and that was kind of like the blooper type of reel in terms of um, let's just make people laugh. And one of the things that we did in Kona years ago was um, I, I came up with this video series called What the Fartlek. And <laughs> it was just because of people's different accents and stuff, I would ask them stupid questions. And one of the questions I asked them was, what rhymes with Kona? And <laughs> <laughs> say it, Phil. Uh, no, I'm like a two-year-old. That's so bad. <laughs> but, oh, and, but it was brilliant. And because, I mean, I remember Rachel Joyce saying to me, no, and laughing like you did. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not saying boner. And I was like, nailed it <laughs> in the can. Um, Michelle Vesterby had a complete meltdown about it. Um, <laughs> laughing. Um, so I remember I asked Jodie Cunnamar, Heather Wattell, Lizzie Blatchford. It, it just, and it was just, it, it like it's still just, we would repost it, I guess, every year. And it would just, it would come up so well because it was just, just watching people laugh is the greatest. Like you can't, you cannot, you can't not laugh. Double negative, whatever. No, um, so good. But yeah, stuff like that. It wasn't, I didn't come up with this great idea. It just sort of came out of um, bloopers and people stuffing up words. And I was like, oh, I know. And also different to all the other things that was happening in Kona, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's awesome. I mean, the other one I liked too was, which was a really one out of the box and wasn't either of ours was cupcakes with Callum. Yeah. Um, and that was his little couch chat show. And I, I don't want to belittle by saying little, not saying, but it was just, you know, it was certainly um, it's it just something different, you mm. know, some really interesting moments that he had with some athletes. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know who I'm thinking of, yeah. um, but you know, outside of that, I think he did a really good job of just being a little bit quirky. Um, and a little bit different, which God, the sport needs it sometimes, doesn't it? You know, we're all so focused and, you know, very intense and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, his, that little show was a little, was the little show that could, that was fantastic. I, yep. I don't understand why they're still not doing it. I mean, it's just so good. I, I really think that could have had some serious legs. I really think that could have gone, um, far, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly why um, possibly taking up too much time without, you know, too much of a reward. And I know at that time yeah. as well, Callum was really, um, like he was really starting to perform well. So maybe, you yeah, know. Yeah, he was emerging. Yeah, yeah, time for him to sort of refocus back on the racing. Um, but, yeah, I really like that too. Another one that we did, which is one of my favourite things that I've ever done and – I, like I'm disappointed that Wits Up has shut down because I would have loved to have keep doing it. Was we did a mock Kona call um, where oh. yeah, and we just took the piss. Um, <laughs> um, but it was like we you know predicted the race. I, I don't know they they used to do it like with the Melbourne Cup. It was like a a fake call before the actual race um, took place, and we threw in like stupid ads, and there was I don't know something about Trump doing this and do and it just it was wow. so much fun pulling it together I actually worked with a comedian friend of mine because she's an absolute genius and it went so well and we only got to do one of them um because I think the following year Kona got yeah it must have been the following year there was no Kona 
and then of yeah pandemic kind of ruined it and then i shut down wits up so i don't know maybe we'll bring yeah, it out right. of retirement as another need to bring it out yeah I love that. yeah um we and that's the thing it's hard you talked about reward for effort and that's the hard part about triathlon. yeah um, yep. and commercially it's so hard to get anything off the ground so you know the if you're listening to this and you look at the you know of course triathlete magazines uh you know been a, a staple of the triathlon world for for many years and has seen out many competitors and, and many different iterations of magazines and stuff and it's obviously commercially um a big deal but the little guys like us, when we were running out sorts of things, trying to get investment was incredibly tough, mm. incredibly tough. The reward for effort was minimal. Um, but I do remember uh, a massive beer company, CUB, um, coming on board with us one year. And they were and, – and the guy who was involved there was a triathlete, which obviously helps, and he really ripping mm. good, rippingly good bloke too. Um, and – um, he supported us really well. We did a Twitter shout one day up on uh, at Ironman Cairns, I reckon, where we had um, <laughs> we just had a keg and we just said, <laughs> come on up to this particular bar and come and talk about triathlon. Yeah, and it got nailed. It got people. It people just showed up. Free beer. Who's not going to show up? <laughs> um, but it was a really cool thing just to hang out with people and talk, drink a few beers, um, and then you know not have to. I don't know, not have to be on guard or be doing anything. It was just a really good social moment, I think. Yeah. At the end, when everyone sort of started drifting off, they said, look, there's still half or there's still like a good size of the keg here. So Dally Carr, the famous photographer and myself and a couple of other people decided that we'd have to make that investment and try and finish it. (laughs) (laughs) Commitment. I like uh, it. It's only Delhi can. I mean, that guy, seriously, he's like the most beautiful soul in the world and just... You know, I can remember him at Ironman Melbourne one time out on the tiles with Greg Welsh. Um, Welchie the next day bounced up like Richard Simmons. He was no problem at all. He was hosting the press conference and Dally was on a couch at the back of the room. His camera slung around his body. I don't think he shot a frame. He was a mess, you know. <laughs> and Welchie's bouncing around on the stage, you know, like it was no problem at all. Just legendary Welshie status, you know, whereas... I think we're all so dusty after that, but um, you know the legends of uh, of what Welchie can do socially are, are well and truly founded. I think. Oh my gosh! Just uh, just another deli car and drinking story. Oh, my my first year when I was the editor at um, Australian Triathlete Magazine, um, Delhi had taken me under his wing very early on. Uh, dangerous, but awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's a fun wing to be. Oh, on. mate! Yep. And he, something like he wasn't really getting paid very much to be there. And I was like, I, I, I got you. I've got the, I've got the magazine's credit card. Let's go to Bubba Gump's for, for dinner. And we're. You got to Bubba Gump's. Yeah, yeah. Went there for dinner. Oh, <laughs> and um, he, and I was like, oh, we'll, we'll put it on the magazine's credit card. We smashed so many cocktails. The the oh, bill no. was so huge. I was like, oh, my God, I'm get, I'm totally getting fired. And oh, no. I think I ended up convincing them that it was a brainstorming session, uh, planning session about what we're going to do throughout the rest of the year. That's so good. <laughs> Don't remember That's anything so we talked good. about. But we still have the Bubba Gump cups. And it was about two weeks ago he sent me a photo of him drinking a beer out of it. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No way. It's so good. That is – yeah, he's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and that's – you know <laughs> – 
as part of that media contingent, that's, you know, I guess it's you're traveling the world, you're away from family and home and that kind of stuff, and you do form posses. Um, yep. And Dally Carr's posse was um, well and truly uh, a, a mischievous one. Though I do remember him at, at an Ironman race somewhere and he'd eaten Chinese food the night before and it, it had MSG in it, really loaded. And he was knocking on my hotel door at like six o'clock, wide bug-eyed that he couldn't sleep all night because he'd had that much MSG <laughs> in his food that he was wired. And, you know, I think he was you know, climbing walls at three in the morning. So it's classic deli. So, um, but, you know, the talent that that man has, uh, if you don't know who we're talking about, get onto Deli Car, Photo Ninja mm. um, is on Instagram. If you, the genius that that man has is ridiculous. He's forgotten more about triathlon than we'll ever know. He's, he's, and his work, his body of work, Steph, really speaks for itself. Uh, absolutely. And I, I feel like he, he was the photographer um, when magazines kind of started kicking up. Go back to Sydney Olympics and he was the man on the ground yep. that was divvying up photos to all, to all of the magazines. He, he yep. has played such a massive role in, in the world of triathlon. And I was very fortunate uh, to see him just last weekend, I think it was, just a local um, triathlon race here, but it was also the uh, age group national championships, I think. So he was here shooting for Triathlon Australia. But again, like the ninja that he is, he came in, he took photos, he went. Um, yeah. 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 And he's always wearing black. He can oh, be my gosh. <laughs> always wearing black. And you're right. He he flies in like a rock star, shoots the event, and then he drops the ninja smoke and disappears. Yep. Um, but unfortunately, we, we had a couple of really great drives down to Talpo from Auckland mm. in, in New Zealand. It's a three-hour drive and into Ironman New Zealand, and I was lucky enough to share the rider. The last ride we shared was with him and um, Glenn from Corrupt. Yeah. And I reckon Corrupt at one point was wishing that we'd hit something and explode because the amount of trash, rubbish talk that hit Deli and I were coming up <laughs> with after four days of an Ironman was just ridiculous it was silly i'm poor glenn i and again i'll apologize to him again <laughs> what we put him through three hours <laughs> i can only imagine Steph, we're super lucky today we get to talk to heather jackson who is <sighs> just you know you want to talk about someone who has got the triathlon uh formula nailed it's her absolutely um and i think last week we were talking you and i were chatting about fan fangirling fanboying um over yeah. over athletes and heather for me was definitely that person uh i was very nervous about chatting to her at first absolutely no need to uh because she is one of the loveliest most humble athletes you'll ever meet across many sports i imagine uh and still still to this day um with all that she's achieved and we talk about her being one of the pros pros she is still just so genuine and lovely and fantastic to chat with. Yeah, and, we, and it, it, you know, nothing's changed her in these nah. years. We've known her for a number of years and, and across the world and seen her and her um, her entourage, um, <laughs> Wadi. Um, and, it, yeah, again, very good people. But let's, let's, uh, let's jump across and, uh, and have a chat to Heather Jackson. So welcome to the cool down. This is part two of this episode, and we are most fortunate to be uh, chatting to one of the pros of all the pros, uh, <laughs> Heather Jackson. Heather, welcome. Oh my god! <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. 
you know, it's um, watching you work is exhausting. Um, it's I don't know. You've we were having a quick chat off air about the first time that we crossed paths, me as a pretend journalist and you as a real athlete, um, <laughs> and that was the K Swiss Trek team camp in Kona, I reckon, and um, that's when I first saw you and and uh, met you in an interview. Um, clearly it's something that you can erase from your memory, but. (laughs) Now I remember clear as day back 1920s. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I do remember though, the, um, the, just how excited you were to be a pro fast forward now. How, how are we feeling? Oh my goodness. Yeah. That that's so funny thinking back to that. I, I still was like in shock that I actually, got a slot on that team. I remember Wadi like begged and begged <laughs> the two <laughs> head guys just to give me a chance. And I was like, I think it was myself and Andrew Yoder were the two quote unquote development athletes. Um, <laughs> but I just remember being, yeah, just in complete, yeah, shell shock there amongst like Chris Lieto, Julie Dibbins, like some of the best in the world. But yes, I do remember that original camp. That was, I think the first year I was a, actual professional, I think got my pro card, but yeah, it's, I still, I mean, it's crazy to think now because now I'm at the opposite end of, I guess, my triathlon trajectory or career path, um, in terms of like, not no longer the, the newbie. So (laughs) still, I don't feel that way. I still am like, remember the first few years of racing as a professional and now it's crazy. Yeah. It's been, I think 12 years. (laughs) Wow, I mean, it, and and the one thing that sticks out of me from that camp, and it was the, it was talent laden. You're right, the you know the Liado boys, Julie Dibbins, yourself. Mm-hmm. There was some really good athletes there, and it was held. I don't know in the Mona Lani or one of those joints down there, but I still remember going down to the beach for a swim, and they invited the journo's to come for it. And I, I, I'm going to loosely call myself one of those, um, the people <laughs> there to come and work out with the team and that sort of stuff. I can never forget the LA Times writer i don't even know who he was but doing the most yeah. bizarre calisthenics on the beach yes and yes and wadi has a video i have so actually... I've got the same video we all videoed him because he was a freak he was like he was doing these weird squats at warp speed i remember like it was just like he's just grinding them out i reckon everyone sat there going we would have to get a film of this or no one will believe me <laughs> Yes, totally. I do remember time. that part. What a time. So it's, so clearly evolved. <laughs> it's clearly evolved for you though, isn't it? Like, you know, it, you know, what goes from you sort of being part of this team and then, you know, it clearly evolves for you, um, you know, the, the just the job of being a pro. And I think you guys do it really well. Um, of course, you know, Sean, your your better half and, you know, your team really are invested in in you as a, as a, as a, I don't want to say product, but it's certainly as a, as an entity. Um, how much, tell us how much work goes into that sort of setup. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Both, both of us really appreciate that. Um, just in terms of like, yeah, just respecting that it is more than just um, the training and the racing. And I think I was spoiled coming into the sport, even from then when I first met you and I had bare, I had barely even been a professional Wadi, my husband, Sean Watkins, um, he came from the other side of things. So he was in the publishing, the media, the marketing, 
so he had, I guess, that view of the sport um, in terms of like he I remember him early, early on him saying to me, if a sponsor is looking at an athlete to support and you line 10 women up in front of you, how, how are you going to stand out from the other nine? And it's always been something of like, OK, the marketing side of things, but then also viewing, I guess, the, all the partnerships that we have and that we've been lucky enough to have along the way of it's not just, OK, take take the product, take the money. It's no, you, you have to work for that. It's, it's a two way street. And another part of that is that um, Wadi and myself have had a business on the other side of it. So you see both sides of it when you have a clothing line and you're you're like, who do we want to support? Who would works um, for our company? Who like does the stuff that we try to think like what we want to see the, the different like stories, sharing your journey, um, being authentic. So I, I think it's, it's been this blessing in disguise of, of Wadi, his past, his background and, and being able to, I guess, see both sides. I, I think with you, HJ, from day one, it, it feels like you approached it like that. Um, and I guess the last couple of years, we've seen athletes have to um, build, build their brand a lot more because there hasn't been a whole lot of racing, um, obviously, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But what, what I'd love to know is from the very beginning, and you are an extremely humble person, um, the... I mean, the way you giggle and shy away from people giving you compliments, like there's probably not a more humble athlete out there on the circuit. Uh, It's one of my favourite things about you. But your brand uh, and, as Phil said, your entity is so professional and so polished. But from the very beginning when you started doing it, did you feel like there was – kind of a disconnect in that you felt so new to the sport and even you just sort of said before you still felt like you you know you're a fish out of water to begin with but you started from scratch really being this polished entity did you did it feel a bit awkward at first oh my god it's still <laughs> awkward now i still like it. <laughs> it's so hard i mean it's i think the mediums have changed over time i remember early on wadi had this little like flip film thing that he would like film my workouts on. And I would just be like, get away from me. Like, I don't want people seeing mm. this or whatever. And he's like, no, people want to see. So it, it was definitely his, his influence. And he's, I guess, makes me more comfortable in terms of like drawing stuff out, but I still can't even, I mean, the medium now is YouTube. Obviously everyone's moving towards that um, for sharing, sharing your journey, sharing your training, sharing everything. And I understand that because I want to see, I'm always like, what is Lionel doing? What is Sam Long doing? I mean, I'm as much of a fan of our sport and athletes and want to know, you know, what they're doing, but I still don't see myself that way. I'm like, why would people care? And Wadi's like, no, people want to know what you eat. I'm going to film this meal. I'm like, no, (laughs) like it's, I'm like, why would they care? I still just don't see myself that way. I still, I guess... I don't know. <laughs> I can't even. I, yeah. I'm here. I'm here to confirm. People want to. People definitely want to see you. A hundred percent. There's. <laughs> so how do you look at it though? So I'm I'm keen to understand the mechanics of it because I'm a simple man and um, I just so at the end of the like when you release a video or you do something how how invested are you in the metrics of it? So do you look at it and you go, oh, that ad, you know, and, and in, you know, YouTube, like, 
you know, I've got kids and all they talk about is, you know, <laughs> old mate who's got 4 million subs and, you know, and I look at it like an old man, you know, grumpy old man, like shouting <laughs> at the clouds. And I'm like, that doesn't make him a good person. Um, do you, like how invested in the metrics are you? Like, do you look at it and you go, well, that video had X amount of hits or, you know, is it really that involved? No, um, I wouldn't say for us. I mean, Wadi does all of the YouTube stuff. He That was actually, I guess, a blessing in disguise during COVID because there was no racing. Um, at the time, the factory was shut down for our then uh, clothing company. And so they're really, it was this tough time of like, what can we do um, to still keep like pushing sponsors and keeping those partnerships alive? And I think we were lucky enough um, at the time, Eric Lagerstrom and Paula Finley were living with us in Tucson. So Eric is already this like film and knows how to film, edit everything. And he basically gave Wadi like a six month tutorial on, on building videos and, and then uploading and all this stuff. You're talking about the, analytics on the back end of like tag words and and I think Wadi definitely he tries to learn from everyone around him like when Talbot's in Tucson a lot um filming for Lionel um and just picking people's brains to try to be better each time but it's I don't think it we're definitely not at the level of yeah just get, going in there and analyzing I I can see how maybe it will go that way um not necessarily for us just in terms of sports in general and professionals and contracts and companies asking for things like that. Um, as actually we are getting that more and more from some of my sponsors, but we're kind of at that, I think level of no, we're <laughs> not, I guess, sitting down after and analyzing. Yeah. I think it's a step by step too, like, especially on the YouTube stuff of like, okay, you post a video you see and, and you learn from each one. It's yeah. Each one, I know Wadi draws something new. So are you invested like do you, and with the numbers i'm sorry i'm harping a little bit on metrics here but with the numbers like you personally do you do you st- like oh we we've nailed this video about whatever we're talking about and with you there's been a range of things so if you've done that you know meal video or something like that and do you go back and you'll see it and you go oh only you know only five hundred thousand people looked at it um and do you like you know from an athlete's point of view with a scoreboard do you see it as a scoreboard or do you just go well okay let's just move on to the next thing I, I mean, me personally, I don't, I literally Wadi makes the videos and he shows them to me and he's like, I'm going to post them. I'm like, cool. Okay. I'll, I'll market it. And that's it for me. But I know he does that. (laughs) He's constantly like, how can we get this up? How can we improve? How can we get more viewership? And, and that's what I mean when he's like racking Talbot's brain or, or other people who have better knowledge in terms of yeah, the little things you can do, because it is a bit of an algorithm on YouTube right now of like, it's crazy what you can tag that might get it into other viewers um, feeds to pop up after they watch a different film. So it's, yeah, yeah it's super crazy. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I barely, I train and then I'm on the couch, like incoherent and Wadi's like, we need a film. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Heather, what would you, you know, up and coming pros, is this the direction that you would recommend they need to take in order to be, you know, the, a pros pro? Uh, it's a good question. It's so funny because we're constantly, so I feel like more and more people are getting, you know, their filmers or their photographers or, or just whatever it is that's um, being more professional. I think we're seeing more and more of that in our sport. Um 
But then it's also this balance of like, okay, what does that actually look like? Is more better? Is uh, are longer films better? Are like shorter? Like what's the next thing? It's like always trying to stay on top of what are people going to want next? Um, because how many videos can we put out of the same thing before it gets to be a bit much? Um, so we're constantly kind of trying to figure out, okay, what I think, sorry, rambling a bit, but I think where we always try to go is like, what do we want to watch or what do we want to mm. see? Um, meaning just me and Wadi at night when we're like on the couch, like, Oh, let's check out this video. Like, let's see what so-and-so did. Like what, and just trying to keep on top of those interesting things and, and what we as viewers and fans and of the sport or even other sports um, want to mm. see. So, but I do think um, I, as a professional athlete, triathlon or others, I, I think that's definitely like with social media, which we were talking about this, Wadi and I recently, it's crazy how actually Instagram and Twitter, like they weren't that far like long ago that they came about. Like I was already racing. Mm. So it's crazy that it's, it feels like that's our lives now sometimes for me at least, or like when I'm not training, that's what I need to be doing. But it only came about, I want to say in like 2012 or 13. Mm. Oh, I I remember when it came out Twitter and we were on first off the bike and I remember saying, I can recall this conversation I had with some random because I just said, I don't really give a crap what Ashton Kutch is eating for dinner, mm-hmm. right? That was <laughs> right? And at that point, he was the Twitter star. That's how old I am. God, I'm old. Um, right. <laughs> anyway, and then someone emailed us and said, you need to think better about Twitter and have you thought about it for driving traffic to your website, blah, blah, blah. And it changed the way we operated. Like it completely turned on its head. So we were talking to Mark Allen last week and, it, you know, anytime you get – to spend with that man is just a lesson. And he, we, we asked him about social media and cause he does Mondays with Mark. And we also met his alter ego, Tommy Buzzcut. Steph, oh that gosh. was the time. Um, <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> oh just turn the volume if down. Heard, if you haven't heard, yeah. If you haven't heard the Tommy Buzzcut session that Mark Allen did with us, it's, it's so funny. It's just so out of the box. Cause I grew up watching the Zen master, the grip, the, you know, not Tommy Buzzcut. Um, anyway, but he was, he made the point though, of if he had social media in his day, just the amount of energy he was, he'd be giving to it, you know, to the sport. Um, and to, and hearing you say that, you know, you guys sit on the couch and you, you know, of an end of a day and take a look at, you know, it's still immersed in the sport. Do you feel like, you know, is it, is it constant and, you know, for, I guess, longevity, is it something that you sort of, you know, tell me that you, you're you going to jump on Game of Thrones or you're going to jump on something and binge it as well outside of the sport? <laughs> I still haven't me, seen Game me of Thrones. Me neither. No, me neither. Not a frame of it. Yeah, not a frame. I haven't seen a single frame of it. I, I don't know. Apparently there's snow. We're too know. busy watching true crime um, shows, aren't we, HJ? Yes, investigation yeah. discovery. Exactly. Yeah, I went. Yes. Um, I went down the Peaky Blinders um, uh, rabbit hole. Mm. Now all I want to do is wear a flat cap, smoke, and drink a lot of whiskey. So, um, and speak really slowly. Um, So, but do you get that? Like, do you get a disconnect from the sport? Do uh, yeah. I mean, even now, I would say in the last year or so, like I make a point to now disconnect. um, Just because it's so overwhelming. Like you just, 
you sleep, eat, and breathe it. And then on top of that, all the free time is like what we're talking about, we're continuing to work. So it's, it's not, you know, this quote unquote office job that nine to five, it's like, it's, I feel like it's Mm. constant. So yeah, I definitely make a point even more so not even triathlon in general for my phone these days. Like I'll put my phone in the room and like leave it there just to unplug for a couple hours and just because I think we're so interconnected these days that it's, yeah, it's just draining sometimes. And, and yeah. then what about when yeah. uh, people like Phil and myself contact you and ask you to do a, a, another, you know, here's another platform for you to for, to tell a story and, you know, you're spending so much time doing it yourself. Uh, what's it like with external media coming in and wanting you to do more? <laughs> well, for me, one, I just wanted to check. Good, great answer. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to either one of you in a while. <laughs> I mean, this, I think all forms are good, like any media you can do. I mean, that's you putting yourself out there and sharing your views, being a person beyond just your racing. And as much as you can do of that, I think um, you should take opportunity as a pro, especially myself, like, okay, like, just other avenues, I guess, because some people aren't on their TV watching YouTube videos, but maybe people are on podcasts on their way to work listening. So for me, it's just, I try to take every opportunity I can and just want to, yeah, I like chatting <laughs> with you guys, but too, it's, I mean, it is part of work. It's like, okay, I'm still, I'm, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> doing other forms of media that I can for my partners. So, so how do you stay up though? So, you know, is it, and I guess this is more of an extension on on Steph's question too. And, you know, how do you stay up for that? Like, especially going to a race, like we were talking about this, I think a few podcasts ago, Steph and I, and how much bullshit the pre race um, <laughs> press conference and anytime anyone asks you anything pre race, it's complete rubbish. Right. And we all know that. So, I, I, do you know what? I remember going to a challenge press conference in Melbourne, I reckon Steph, and it was the challenge Melbourne press conference. And I reckon I was the yeah. only media there. There's one other person from like the local newspaper, which got, you know, 17 readers and a small dog. Um, and the, the disinterest in the pros were just like, they're just sitting there going, oh, you know, it was horrifying. <laughs> so how do you stay up? How do you stay up for this? How do you, how do you stay up for the, you know, for the, um, you know, for that event or, you know, obviously it's a necessary evil, but, you know, is there anything that you do to keep yourself up and about? Um. Wh- Wait, what do you mean? Like before an event? Yeah, before... like just like going to an event and knowing what you're going to get, you know, slogged with, especially like the big ones, the big events like Cone and stuff where everyone wants a piece of you and everyone wants that. So how do you how do you stay up for that and, and how do you manage it? Yeah, I guess, well, for me, it's like, I don't know, it's the cliche, like pressure is a privilege. But for me, it's like if someone wants to talk with talk to me, that's like, oh, wow, I'd still like, you want to talk to me? Okay. Like that's, I know that won't always be there. And I know it, like life as a professional athlete is a limited window. So for me, I still, it's weird. You go through this phase in a career of early on, you're so excited. Cause it's like, Whoa, they want to talk to you. Then you haven't even done anything. I remember that truck case was camp. I hadn't even raced yet. I don't think as a pro and you're getting interviewed and then through your career, you're working, you're doing these opportunities. And then now for me at, I don't want to say tail end, but like the back end of it, it's still like, I know this won't always be here. So for me, it's still like a privilege that someone would want to interview me or, or get 
I guess, the lead-in before a race. Just speaking of press conferences, um, a memory just popped up. I think it was the first year you were on the podium in Kona, and you, you're at the in the pool, like you know the pool at the um uh at, yeah. at the end of the race. <laughs> this was the yeah, and you're just like chatting, and it's a great day, super happy, having a beer. I'm like, mate, you, the press conference is on, and you thought that I was because I tend to you know have a reputation of being a little bit of a smartass, and you you thought I was taking the piss. I'm like, no, 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 you have to be at the press conference now, and. Your big eyes were just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like four beers deep. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> the, the, the post-Kona though, like post-Kona, you, all, the, all the people with not a clue stand there at the finish line. If you want the real story, you go behind the finish line oh, of the yeah. recovery area. And, and I reckon that's where we filmed Crowy retiring. I reckon I had some, you know, Rasmus Henning retired and said, I'm done while we were filming him. I think we had um, uh, some really open comments from Chrissy Wellington when she was up and about. And yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it, those stories that you get, that's, you know, you talked about authenticity, Heather. I reckon that's where you get it. I reckon when you're emotional and post-race. Um, yes. That's where it is. And I reckon in that Kona spot, because it is so – I remember talking to Tim O'Donnell about it. They rode out to Harvey in like 204 and he was just like – like his eyes were still bugging out of his head. He was like, this was nuts. And I'm like, yeah, I couldn't drive out there that quick. But, you know, in those areas, though, like it, that must be fun too, though, to sort of, you know – but also I guess you've got to keep your guard up is what you say. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. No, I think that's where you get the nuggets of, yeah, just – in the real yeah like you're saying the real stories of what happened yeah i think sure. it's most authentic i think is there um so obviously with the um you know with all of this mm-hmm. is it hard to be yourself um no it's it's so funny you say that cuz it's harder for me if you saw the outtakes, I guess, of like what, what Wadi does, it's harder for me not to be myself because I'm just like, he'll be like, tell me what you're eating. And I'm like, I'm eating some chicken and rice with soy sauce on it. And he's like, no, you have to say it like talking to the camera. I'm like, tell me like this because <laughs> one, this is real. And two, I'm not, I'm not good at being not myself, I think. So, <laughs> which I think is like, it's kind of our, I feel like they're of the people out there that are are putting themselves out there. They're sharing their journey. They're doing these videos. Like you have different styles. And I think early on last year when we were starting to do the videos or starting to do more in depth than just say like an Instagram post, it's like, where, what's your angle going to be? And like, I think someone like a Lionel has his or, or Jan puts out and Lucy, they put out these beautiful videos. Um, and then, and Sam Law, like it's, or you have Eric and Paula, sorry, I'm jumping all over, but you have so many different styles. And I think early on we were like, oh, we need to be a certain way or like more professional or do it a certain way. And I'm, I, we literally couldn't, like, I couldn't sit down and um, make it more, I don't know what the word would be, not like office-y, but like, basically I tell Wadi now, just film it and I don't care, put it up. And some of them, yeah, you'll you see that because they're pretty raw. <laughs> I, I love that though. That's that's the key. People want 
authenticity and there's there's no one more authentic than you 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 do much the bit of your own drum um it, it, you know aesthetically when you first came onto the scene and I saw this you know short-haired tattered woman I was like she's way too cool I can't I can't talk to her she is she's too cool for me I was so nervous and then I met you I'm like oh my gosh she's the biggest dork she's brilliant you, you know um but but that's why um that's why it would have felt really icky for you to try and recreate you know more of the really polished kind of things which they have their um you know their pocket on YouTube in the triathlon space but yours is more of that sort of just edgy authentic raw and that's what we love about you <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I think there, I think there's a compliment you know, in there somewhere. It was meant to be a compliment. <laughs> no, it was totally no. Thank you. No, but no one wants to see so polish. Right? Like, no one wants to see polish. I don't want to see something that's pristine. Like I don't want to see that. Like you know, that's what Discovery Channel's for. When I'm watching, um, you know, uh, Attenborough documentary, that's pristine, right? Like that's perfectly curated. But. <laughs> You know, I don't want to see that in an athlete. I don't think, and I don't think it exists. I think you're right, Steph. I think, you know, that people want to see, you know, they want to see you having a, a shitty day or they want to see you having a, you know, you, when you're up and about. There's something to that. Um, and it's, you know, they've built up this veneer of what social media is and what our expectations are. Um, and I think, you know, when someone sort of starts to break down those down a little bit, um, you know, it's it's actually good. But with all this, you know, you know, air quote authenticity and things like that. So how much planning goes into this though? So how much, so do you like weekly know what sort of filming you're going to be doing? Do you know, I mean, in, in, in all of this, there's obviously some training going on. Um, so, you know, just, just to get, get my job done, but how much, yeah. like, how much planning goes into this? Well, we sat, Hottie and I sat down like a, a week or two ago and kind of mapped out like, okay, what, what are some events coming up or different things we could plan ahead for in terms of capturing for sure. But otherwise, I mean, Wadi literally just films me for, he has this thing of, okay, if we can get out two videos a month. So every um, two weeks or so, or even it got down to one a month last year. Cause it, the editing mm. is crazy when you see the, how much time it, I'm sure you guys know you guys do similar formats, but it's the editing is what takes forever. And so, um, he basically, well, I just train. I mean, I literally, I get up and he might have like the camera in my face and I'm bare, I'm not even awake yet. And he'll hand me coffee and I wouldn't even know like the camera's on. So he does a lot on his phone actually. Um, but he, he'll just film for, two weeks straight and then pull out, I guess, some of the key or more interesting, or if he captured something absolutely like crazy um, and just kind of weave it into a story. And our current format is just literally sharing our week, sharing our, our life as yeah, authentically and as chronologically as we can and keeping people updated. Um, uh, so that, yeah, I mean, no, no real, I guess, planning out, just literally just trying to share kind of a mix of like longer format. And then like you have Eric and Paula who put out a video every Sunday, which is just crazy. I, when I think about mm. what Eric must do behind the scenes, but. I, I think the, yeah. um, the key message, just going back to what we talked about earlier about advice for up and coming pros. I think the key out of all of this is 
um, if, if you're single, you, you need to find a partner who knows how to operate <laughs> a camera of some sort because, I mean, but, but in, in all seriousness though, um, it, it definitely would help that your partner is capable of pulling these things together. We've, you've already mentioned Paula and Eric, Lindsay having um, Chris on her team, um, back to Lizzie Blatchford yeah. having Glenn. I mean, Glenn's career kind of shot off the back of Lizzie being a professional, you know, then he got into, you know, um, filming and taking photos and has just built his own, you know, production company. But it, it has to help obviously having someone who's rolling out of bed five minutes before you and switching on the camera to be able to capture those moments. Oh my God. Yeah. Everything I always say, it's like, I'm so in the career I'm in, the sport, the like what is required now of it. Like I literally hit the jackpot with Wadi because he is, yeah, I feel fortunate every day. Like you're not going to have some random person in your room at five in the morning <laughs> filming you. So I definitely am lucky in that sense. Yeah, and, you know, he's a good lad too, that one. Um, uh, I was just going to say, I, I, I mentioned this the other day to, to Mark Allen. I was so proud of myself because I went to the Australian Open a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, sick. It was, it is, I mean, I, it, the amount of money in that sport, holy moly. You just see it. So we're watching yeah. um, a soccer warm up on a on a practice court, and I think I said to Mark she had like five dudes who were you know all all watching everything she did. Um, when you go to a race, what's the entourage? How big's the entourage? And how much of your race preparation do you do yourself? So are you building bikes? Are you you know how does it work? How does your race setup work? I need to put this out there because I try to build my bike and <laughs> Wadi doesn't let me, but I can actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, look, I always think, you know, I always think of one person I always think of in this, in this respect guys is Cam Worth, right? Like he's coming as a, from a professional bike racing area where they do nothing except pedal, nothing else. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, pretty sure they get force fed penguin style as well. They don't do anything for themselves. And then all of a sudden you go into this world that is so, so individualized. Um, so what's your, what's your um, entourage? Like if you've got 15 people with you at a race and how's it like, we've got the team bus, how does it all work? The team bus. No, I would say we keep it pretty. I mean, again, I keep going back to this. I'm so lucky with Wadi because he does so much. So, I mean, my main entourage is Wadi <laughs> um, for almost all races, basically just, I mean, he builds my bike. He will cook during the week. Um, if I put my legs on him, he'll like massage (laughs) me. I mean, sometimes I know a certain massage therapist is going to be in town. Um, then like I'll reach out to them, but I haven't really traveled with, with many. So I would say Wadi Kona is a little different. Like, um, my coach, um, I'm working with a new coach as of last September. Um, Frank will be there. Um, he'll be at some of the other races um, as well. But I would say, yeah, mostly Wadi, him, and then my family will be in Kona. Um, that's the big one. So anytime I can get my sister to come yeah. to a race. And that's not- <laughs> Yes. <Hipster. laughs> and that is purely out of like just literally taking my mind off of anything to do with triathlon because we don't even talk triathlon. Like it's just constant laughing with like 
puppy videos. So your your circle's <laughs> pretty tight, though, isn't it, HJ? I feel like um, you're more on on the scale of introvert to extrovert. You're more of the introverted you know, want to go back to, to your people, to that small circle so that then you can lift again for when you have to, for uh, media or racing, all the things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. I am definitely an introvert, which is, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I just hide. So on the a, a second bridge question to that, to the last one, if you were not doing triathlon, would you, what professional sport would you, you know, is there one that you covet that you look at and you think, God, you know, they've they've got it well set up or, you know, is there something, another sport that sort of piques your interest that you'd love to be involved in? <laughs> well, the ones that I just absolutely love, well, right now I'm on a biathlon kick because, well, I'm skate skiing a lot and then Winter Olympics are coming <laughs> up. But <laughs> if I could do any of the like, I would be more, I think, like, the X Games style, like snow, yeah. like border cross. I love border cross. I love watching it. I love snowboarding. Um, I'm still pissed. So back when I played ice hockey, basically the first half of my life, I got this invite one of the first years that they had the Red Bull crashed ice. I don't know if you guys no. have seen that. No. At all. It's big over here. It's like they build this like ice track, basically like long, like, I don't even know how long it is, but it's like a crate. It's kind of like border cross, but you're on skates and you can like take people out and <laughs> it's a race down oh the my track. God. Is that like a little Love bit that. roller derby type yeah. of feel? Yeah, wow. yeah exactly. But- See, the snow in Australia is so garbage that we don't have any of that, you know, like know. it's all, you yeah, know, like a meter is a big base for us. It's like, oh, I've got a meter. And everyone's like, yeah, right. I've got a meter on my, on my roof. Um, <laughs> yeah so we had, what, when uh le, was it last year joshy kanga yeah. josh amberger was was with us and i can't remember if he had been before or not if he had it's only been like once or twice we took him up to the mountain snowboarding he just like na- of course i mean naturally crushed it like off jumps like twisting but yeah he said the ski fields aren't <laughs> too no, big in australia no, no they're not they're not good um, so what does this year hold for you? What's like in terms of obviously there's a lot of racing and, and what are you targeting? And I suppose we should probably talk about triathlon. Um, and <laughs> what are you searching for? So what's, what's going to be acceptable, like a pass grade for you? Yeah. I mean, Kona, uh, Kona is literally, it's been the goal for, well now seven, eight years I mean, without having this, with having missed the last two. So for me, Kona, um, that's the main goal, um, this season and everything worked towards that. Um, I was up and down in this first half of the season. I actually looked at, uh, South Africa early on because it's always been on my bucket list. It looks like one of the coolest events. Uh, I'm good friends with Ben Hoffman who just raves about it. Um, but with, I guess not COVID still ongoing, but different travel things and just the travel required. I won't be heading for that one this season. I want to at some point, but the first half, I will do St. George. Um, I was, <laughs> to be honest, up and down on that as well. Just, I've had two um, just not great days there. I've struggled in the water there with for various reasons, um, with like breathing reasons, like asthma or pa- panic attacks, or I don't even know, just full struggle and it's makes it tough mentally to prep for it when I'm just like 
you have that in your head, but we're doing everything um, to prepare. So got an altitude 10. I've got <laughs> like, we're going to go up early. So hopefully things I can do to, um, I guess, prepare for that race. That being said, I mean, I want to do, it's a world championship. I think I would feel, um, yeah, like I was missing out if I wasn't there, but I also don't view it the same way I do Kona. So um yeah <laughs> those are I guess the two biggest races for me this year um I'm also going to be doing one of the big it's more U.S. based but one of the big gravel races um here it used to be called the Dirty K but now it's called Unbound it's a 200 mile gravel race so that'll be exciting just to switch it up and put a long day in on the saddle but um yeah still I guess finalizing uh in between the two big world championships, but those are the two big ones. I love it. <laughs> uh, what, one of my favorite things about you, HJ, is that you you throw your hat into the ring in stacked fields as much as you can. When you turn up, you want to race the best uh, whenever you can. Um, I, yes. I want to know, especially because, you know, racing, and obviously racing is getting back to whatever normal means, uh, but with a lack of racing over the last couple of years, who who have you really missed lining up against, going toe-to-toe, head-to-head? We've seen mm-hmm. some athletes retire as well, so it can include any of those. But who's your who's the uh, who's the one you love to have a crack at? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I know. I It's so funny because I feel like there's, like, changing mm. of the guard happening right now almost. And so you have these new – new athletes who are stepping up, whether it's in distance or just in performance and getting better and better. And you have like the skies who like sky and I have a fun little rivalry now in the last couple of years. Um, so it was good. I felt good to, to top her in Florida <laughs> this year after be going the other way uh, prior to that. So, I mean, you have sky you have Kat Matthews, you have these up and comers who, um, you know, beyond the people who have proven themselves the last three, four, five years, Lucy, Daniela, and Haug. Um, me personally, like, I think back to when I came into my career and the people that I just admired and loved. And it was this, like, they were on this pedestal. And then, like, I slowly started to get closer to them in races. And the, when I'm saying this, it, the main one sticking out is Rinny. So I just love, one, I'm good friends with her, but um, just like going head to head at a race that she's at where like you have that battle. So in Kona I had it a few times and then just some other races, but Crowley, I had that one battle with in Kona one year. And after that, her and I, every race, it was that Mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, So a lot of my, like when I'm like visualizing or, you know, dreaming and, and just, picturing races like a lot of them are all down to I guess events that have happened at Kona and when I'm training almost every session I'm picturing Kona whether it's picturing the Queen K whether I'm on a lead drive so it's a lot of the battles I draw from are from the, those races that I've had there so <laughs> those two would stick out Rennie and Crowley I love sure. I'd love to see a bet between say you and Rennie if she if she loses she's got to get a tattoo if you lose you you've got to watch the kids for I don't know, two days straight. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that could be bad. <laughs> well, I'd, like like I'd, say, I'd like to see the result of that. Um, 
Heather, it's always it's it's time always flies chatting to you. Um, I think we've exhausted our time. Um, good luck this season. Obviously, uh, we love what you do, and we keep track of all of that. And you and Wadi are, are a great team, and it's um it's fun watching you guys um, still get after it. So, we wish you all the best, and we hope that twenty twenty two is going to deliver some wins um, for the team. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And for all your, your complimentary words, really, really appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> it's so well, good. That, I know it's I miss you. <laughs> I know. Actually, I'm making my first, I hopefully, I don't want to jinx it. Never mind. <gasps> I don't want to say it. Oh, I know. If I say you're not jinxing it, I, I, will you be coming okay, to the Southern hemisphere for a wedding perhaps? Yeah. Yes, my first time oh ever. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Extend wow. it. You have to come to Melbourne. Yeah, I, that's the plan. I've never been to Australia, so. Every other state is garbage except Victoria. Yep. They're all rubbish. Okay. Western okay. Australia is its own country now, so, you know, you're going to have to do what you want to do. <laughs> I can't wait. The Kangas, the Kangas are coming to Tucson for uh, March. So I'm super excited. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Uh, Gosh, yep. national you know, yeah, I love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank <laughs> Thanks so much again, Heather. This has been the cool down. Phil Rockner and Steph. Steph, thank you for your work as per usual, mate, uh, starring on the questions. And we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the cool down. Make sure to check out all in the world of triathlon with Triathlete Magazine.